We're going to um, go somewhere a little bit theological for a few moments. Is that okay? Uh, so we're going to go all Alps. But don't worry if it's like, what on earth are you talking about, Jared? Very soon we'll click down to, right, let's apply this to our lives. But um, I suppose at the core of it, I want to release some faith in our hearts this morning. Amen? Amen. Uh, so here's a question to start with. Are you ready? You're going to have to work your brains for this one. So God made the world in six days. Totally up to you whether that's literal or not. Or 6,000 years ago, or 6 billion years ago, that is not a salvation issue. Don't don't let anybody tell you that it is, it isn't. Um, But God is perfectly capable of creating the world 6,000 years ago, in six days. Uh, And that's the way he's told it to us, though he's not trying to tell it to us in a Greek scientific way. So let's not misread the Bible. But that's the way it's presented, right? We've got day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. Day six, God is creating, 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 creating. Then what does he do on day seven? Come on, somebody, look look me in the eye and shout it out. He rests. So what did he do on day eight? Did he start working again? He was working in his rest. I told you we're going to the Alps. <laughs> so God worked for six days, then he rested. Are you saying that, let's call it the Monday, whatever day it was, he started working again? So that every seven days, God takes a day off. So you can't pray on a Saturday, he's a good Jew, from Friday evening to Saturday evening. Or is there another way to look at the world? Book of Hebrews, chapter 4, if you've got your Bible or your phone or some way of looking at the Word of God, that would be useful. Um, Hebrews 4. I'll start from the beginning because we're going to read bits and pieces this morning, we'll get there. Um, I'll just begin from the beginning so we get context. Therefore, and don't worry about the therefore, we're going to look what the therefore is there for in a while, so we'll go back to chapter 3 in a bit. But therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest. Just as God has said, so I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. It's quite a big issue to God if he gets angry about it. And so look at the next line. Here's what we want. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. Wow. God finished everything. A long, long time ago. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's, what's the other one? Omnipotent. Omnipotent means he has limitless power. Limit, say limitless. Limitless. 
not, I mean, he's got, it's not that he's got more power than anyone else. It's not that the opposite of God is the devil. God is a whole other being altogether. His power is limitless. He's omniscient. He knows everything there is to know. You do not have a secret from God. He can run all of your careers better than you. He can pass all of your degrees better than you. He is all-knowing. He is also omnipresent. He's everywhere. That doesn't just mean that he is here today and in Australia. It means that he is here today and he's still in our language yesterday and he's already in your tomorrow. He is seeing your birth and your death in the same moment because he is God and all of time lives inside of him. So from God's perspective, he took six days, is the way he puts it to us, to make the world. Then he rested, and really, in a sense, you could say he's not lifted a finger since. Now he has. We'll put the tension of truth in there later. But just for a moment, I want you to understand, Psalm 139, that before you were born, all your days were already written. He finished it before day six. So when he looks at your life, whatever you are worrying about right now, you need to twin the end of Genesis 1 with Jesus hanging on the cross when he echoes from two sides of eras in our world when he says, it is finished and it is good. Whether it's God finishing the six days of creation and saying it is very good. Or whether it's Jesus hanging on the cross. And yet the Bible also tells us that he was crucified before the foundation of the world. So he says from that cross once again, it is finished. It's as though in God's heart the two were echoed in the same moment. I've done it. I've made a world. You've messed it up. I've cleaned it up. I've set you on a destiny so that God can live amongst man all in the same moment. It's already done. Whatever you are facing, here's the faith I want to release in you. It's already done. Come on, you're already healed. Your husband's already saved. Your kids are already walking with God. Uh, uh, the things, that, the hopes and dreams that he's planted in you, that they're, they're already done in his mind. Why is God never discouraged? Because he's already in the answer. He's already there. Why does God say, don't worry? Because in another sense, God is three days down the road going, this is where it happens. This, this is the moment. Now, should we be even more irritating? Because sometimes he's 20 years down the line. You know, don't worry. Well, you know, one of the very real reasons why Jesus, God became man and lived among us to sympathize with us. It wasn't just to sympathize with the pressure of sin or the stress of life. It was for the first time but God wouldn't do it from theory. He did it in practice. This is incredible compassion. He lived on a timeline for the first time. So he had to walk fully through today, trusting God for tomorrow. And so you get this amazing moment where the omniscient, omnipresent, all-knowing, uh, 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 all-powerful God 
is he, Jesus knows he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead, but he still weeps with those who weep. And you get the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. To walk on the timeline and to live in the restriction of our timeline is a painful thing. Is any, anybody want to? And it's so trite to say it'll be all right in the end. It'll come out in the wash. It'll get sorted. Three months from now, you'll look back and it'll have been a blip. Anybody, you know, got, got friends that, you know. And it's irritating, isn't it? But it's all true. Because whatever your need is, he supplied the answer before the foundation of the world. This is why your worry is pointless. Your worry is just a wrong perspective. There's another way to look at your life. If you're worried, you're looking at it wrong. If you're anxious, this is lovely theory, isn't it? <laughs> I've got to live it on Monday too. If you're anxious, you're looking wrong. There's something wrong with your eyesight. If you're stressed and fearful, there's something wrong with it. Why? Well, because he finished working before the foundation of the world. He wrote every one of my days. He wrote today. He wrote this message. I think I might change it now to see if I can change the book. No, but he knew that I was going to change my mind in the middle of the message, so he knew. Then what if I make a, mis- what if I make a mistake? And he knows I'm going to make a mistake. He's already provided the redemption back to the... Isn't God clever? He, he's already weaved in all of your wobbles and foibles into the outworking of his plan. Yeah, but when will he know when I come back to him? Well, because he knows you before a, mi- before a thought is formed in your mind. Psalm 139 again. He knows it. Before a word is formed on your lips, he knows what you're going to say. Oh, I'll change what I was going to say. Yeah, but he knew you were going to change it. There's nothing you can do to get away from the all-knowing sense of who God is. And he has always got plans to redeem you. Plans to give you a hope and a purpose. Plans to bring you back, plans to turn glory out of suffering, plans to bring you into the fullness that he has for you. If you, is how to speed it up as far as our experience goes. See, there's many things that we talk about, they relate to how our experience is, but it's not how God sees it. So we say things like, he remembered me, he never forgot you, it just felt to you like he suddenly remembered you. So that's the human part of it, right? where I was going there. It will come. Say again? It will come. It will come. He knew I was going to forget it. Before a, before a thought was formed on my mind. Are you blanking my mind again? He knows it. He's finished. It's finished. It's finished. Isn't God amazing? Done that, done that, done that, done that. So, okay, let me stretch these thoughts, but uh, we'll try and land some of these thoughts in our lives, okay? He weaves all of our mistakes into a redemptive story for you and for me every time. And anybody here make mistakes? There's at least three people that just kind of shook their head. No, not really. 
okay, you don't need this message yet. But to think that God is so powerful that he, he finishes, he's living in eternal rest right now on one level. So we're living, here's the complexity, let's throw the tension in because some of you are going, oh, where do I put my brain in this? So, listen, you are holy and you're being made holy all at the same time, agreed? Book Hebrews teaches us that. So God is able to see you in your completed state as well as in your process state. Right? If, 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 another verse says this, you have been made complete in him. But another verse says he will carry on the work in you to completion. So you're completed and you're being completed all at the same time. Now here's the thing. The more you live in the reality that he has made you fully holy, the holier you become. The more we get out of the striving to be holy, the more quickly holiness comes. Why? Because there's a perception that needs to change. It seems almost like the harder you work at it, the less you get it. But then just something clicks in your heart and something begins to change. Similarly, the more you realize he's completed everything, the more complete you're going to become. Perspective is everything. Now, it's a faith perspective. We need to understand that God has everything in hand. He's never stressing on his throne. He's never sweating. He's now, oh God, what do I do with Tina now? No. God's in heaven dancing, going, it's done. It's done. It's finished. I said it twice. How many times do you want me to say it? It's finished and it's finished. I've done the work. All we have to do is enter into his rest. It's a faith perspective. But isn't the striving thing really hard? Anybody else? You know, whether it's fear or ego-driven, we all give in to striving because we don't trust that Abba Father is really caring for us. So, you know, we wreck our marriages with too much overtime because we've got to pay the mortgage and pay off the car to look like the neighbours next door and all of it's nonsense. And yet, God is going, if you just trusted me, you would have the most amazing life if you clicked off flesh road and off fear road and off ego road and just came over to Abba Father. God loves me and he cares for me and even gives for my enjoyment. If we let God look after us, how good would it get? It's a faith perspective. Just some thoughts about the faith perspective for a minute now. Let's try and land this a little bit. Faith has an unusual language. It kind of says it's already done when it's not. Right. So if you go through, through, I was reading through, these are just my meditations this week, reading through Moses, even right back to Abraham, God is saying all the time, I'm going to give you a land, I'm going to give you a land, I'm going to give you a land, I'm going to give you a land. The spiritual life begins with future tense. He tells you or just seeds in you what he wants to do for you. He's going to do this. He's going to do this. He's going to do this. Then something happens in the Christian life. I want you to understand this is why a spiritual perspective is so different to any other way of thinking. You are not like your friends at work. Because this is the Christian life. This is how heaven comes to earth. You ready? We go from future tense... And the next step is not present tense. We go from future tense to past tense. And then into present tense. 
This is how it is in the, in old, the, right up to the story of Joshua. I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you a land. I'm going. But then you read when God starts to talk to Joshua. I have given it into your hands. I have given it into your hands. I, he goes past tense. It's already done. No, it's not. Jericho's there. Yeah, but I've given it into your hands. Something happens in the life of faith where you step from future, future, one day, one day, one day, something clicks in the perspective of a believer that begins to stand on the balcony of heaven, that begins to go, I've already got it, I've already got it, it's already done, it's already happened, it's, 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 it's in my past. Mark 11, Jesus echoes this when he says, uh, anything is possible to him who believes. Um, let's, let's go read it, let me get the exact... Reading it, Mark 11, one of the best prayer scriptures in the Bible, says this, Have faith in God. You want answers? You've got to get to this perspective. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this man, you go through yourself and see and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what they say will happen, future tense, it will be done for them. And he goes deeper. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received, past tense, it, and it will be yours. Wow. There's something in prayer where you go future tense, future tense. Come on. Has anybody ever had to work their heart into a place for a miracle? This is what it often looks like for people that face severe difficulty or need a major miracle. You watch them, they go through this. And sometimes this first stage takes years. I'm trusting God for my healing. I'm trusting God for my healing. I'm repenting of everything I've done and everything I haven't done just in case. I'm just trusting God for my healing. And then suddenly you notice their body is still sick but something clicks in their hearts where they go, it's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. And then they enter present tense. I receive it. This is the story of, I can tell you again and again, the story of Jane Hanwell, who was for seven years, incurable disease, uh, trusting God for a healing, doing all the things you do when you've got a severe incurable disease. And one day somebody was just preaching on faith and something just fell on her and she knew, it's done. I am already healed, past tense, but her body was still sick. See, this is the mindset of the people of faith. I want to stir you to faith this morning. Come out of doubt, come out of fear, into the narrative of faith, because God lives there. And she started to say, it's done. They went on, that was the Sunday, she went on holiday on the Monday. Uh, uh, if you know them, Brian and the two boys were heading off, walking up a mountain. She's normally sitting in the car and read magazines. But in her heart, she said, well, hang on a minute, if it's done, then I should be walking up that mountain. This is the crazy perspective of faith. If it's done, I should be walking up that mountain. Say, say this, faith people are crazy. They don't get discouraged like unbelief people or doubt people. Faith people can stand in today and stand with God in tomorrow already and go, it's done. As Jane started to walk up that mountain, she was healed as she walked. It went from past tense into present tense. Welcome to the life of faith. I can tell you story after story. A couple of times I bought cars that I can't afford. I just, I get, I get them booked and, and all kinds of, but I, I often tell you the one where, where uh, uh, well, there's a second story where I did it a second time. You can only do what God says because he's the only one that's in the future. So he said, book that car, buy it. And so I bought this car and I had three and a half thousand pounds that I couldn't afford for it. Uh, but I, you know, 0% credit card got to do it and I went and did it. And then I went down to, to a church uh, a few days later and I was just doing a, a conference 
and somebody walked up and said, God told a friend of mine who wants to stay anonymous that you've got a debt and he wants to pay that debt. Uh, I said to him, well, I hope you think the debt's not a couple of hundred pounds because it's not three and a half thousand pounds, three thousand seven hundred, I think it was. Anyway, the check came that week. See, God is already in your tomorrows going to do it because I've already lined the release up. It's already sat in your future. Just imagine the path before you, and it's a timeline of things that you need are already sat in your future. You're just panicking because you can't see them today. But get to the balcony of heaven and begin to see. With the eyes of heaven, you'll see, it's finished. He's already done it. You never needed to fear. Why is this stuff important? Because church, you need to know today, because he lives, you can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds the future, my life is worth the living just because he lives. You need to banish fear and anxiety. God's knees are not knocking together. God's not panicking as if he didn't know certain things were going to happen. God is in heaven and before the foundation of the world, he wrote today into the plan for this church. He wrote today into the plan for your life. He's got you in his hand. You're going nowhere. But you're going to live it so much more enjoyably if we begin to think like God. Was it Wigglesworth that used to say, if only we could think like Jesus, then we would do like Jesus. Wow, the thinking is everything. It's the faith perspective that we need to step up to. Amen? Something happens when we do. God moves. Future tense, then past tense, then present tense. This is why you get those weird faint people going, it's already done. It's already done. He's got me. Amen? Amen. Um, now here's the thing. You have to choose this perspective. In Hebrews 3 and 4, you are finding the writer to the Hebrews that many people would still say is Paul. There's lots of controversy over that, but it doesn't really matter. Um, you're finding a people that fail to go into the promised land because of their perspective. They didn't enter their rest. The story, let's read the Hebrews version, then we'll go and read the actual one. In Hebrews 3 and verse 7, it says, So as the Holy Spirit says, and we're still talking about entering his rest, which the picture is entering the promises or the promised land of God. Entering into what God's got for you. So as the Holy Spirit says, verse 7, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. God uses wilderness to test hearts. Where your ancestors tested and tried me. For 40 years they saw what I did. That's why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray. They have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. And then here's the word to us today. See to it brothers and sisters. That none of you has a sinful unbelieving heart. That turns from the living God. And here's why we need each other. Encourage one another daily. As long as it's called today. Here we are on the timeline of God. So that none of you may be hardened. By sin's deceitfulness. In your journey of life. The enemy and life. Is going to do everything to knock you from God's perspective. And get you into the perspective of anxiety. Of fear. Of ego. 
and of that poison offense. If he can blind your eyes, he can harden your heart and steal your destiny. And we might go, well, you know, we'll, we'll muddle through. Let's look at the children of Israel muddling through Book of Numbers. Is it Numbers? I reckon it is. Numbers 13 and 14. And this is the stuff, I don't know about you, this is where my heart cries, God, don't pass me by. There are pivotal moments in our lives, the Bible would teach us, where we can miss God. And the one here is, you find the children of Israel, they're just a few weeks in, and they're coming up against the edge of the promised land. And they get there, come on, you know the story, exploring Canaan. Send some, Numbers 13, send some men to explore the land of Canaan. And they, they find 12 guys and off they go and look around. And, uh, verse 18, see what the land is like. Verse 21, so they went up and explored. Verse 25, at the end of 40 days they returned from exploring the land. Uh, and they came back and they began to report this and that. Verse 30, listen to Caleb. He's got different eyesight to 10 of them, right? We know we've got two good guys and two that are in a different perspective. Everybody say, it's the minority that will stand in faith. I want to call you today. You can carry on. Are you doing good? Maybe we should all say, I don't know. I want to draw you into the minority of faith. Come on, have we got God's SAS in the room or what? You going to wobble on me? Right? Caleb silenced. Some people just need to shut up. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. Here it is, they're hardening their hearts. We're, they're stronger than we are. They spread out among the Israelites a bad report. Everybody say a bad report. About the land that they had explored. They said the land we explored devours those. Oh, it's all too much. All the people we saw, they're of great size. They're enormous. We saw the Nephilim, the kind of giants there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. Here's ten men that have lost the perspective that God said a long, long time ago. It's finished. All you've got to do is walk into it. All you've got to do is walk into your future. God's with you. Chapter 14, the people rebel. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we died in Egypt. Uh, give us familiarity over an uncertain future. Here's the thing. The future is not uncertain. It's already in God's hands. If only we died in Egypt. Or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land? And let's fall by the sword. And it goes on and on and on. Moses and Aaron fell face down. And you know what happens? God forgives them, but... Verse 20, I've forgiven them. Nevertheless, as surely as I live, and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But... 
But, but, and it's just one, well, two men, Joshua and Caleb, stood by the ten men. They look exactly the same from the outside, but you can tell what's coming out their mouth defines who they are. Not, uh, what does he say? But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to. Oh, look at it. And it goes on. Who wants to go into the land that God has for them? Anybody, right? I don't know about you. I want to be part of the minority of faith, not the majority of fear. I want to live as a kingdom person. I want to see from the balcony of heaven and go try and identify in all of our imperfection. What is God saying? What has he done? Because I do know this. There's enough fear nots in the Bible for every day of your life. Wherever we face, fear not. Don't let anxiety take over. Let faith flood your heart. Sing the songs of your father, your papa, your abba in heaven. He loves you. He's for you. He is with you. But here's the question everybody needs to ask themselves. You need to ask it about the diagnosis over your body. You need to ask it about your children. Ask it about your spouses. Ask it about your hopes and your dreams and your future. Whose report will you believe? human report or heaven's report it's said from the beginning of the world it's finished it's done and dusted I love you I'm for you I'm with you I cover over those sins those things that you still shame about 20 years on God's like I'm not remembering them and that's quite a task for God because he can remember everything so if even God says I'm not going to remember them and I'm certainly not going to treat you as your sin yeah. How's about we turn this into a moment of glory and outpouring and goodness and kindness? How do you do that? How do you connect with God's divine purpose for your life? You step into God's perspective. All of us are living in the tunnel of a narrative over our lives. There's a narrative about your marriage and its quality and your spouse. There's a narrative about your children. There's a narrative about this church. And your narrative will either send you into panic or into promised land. But the choice is yours. Your narrative will send you into faith and hope and future and God is good and God is for me and he can redeem anything. Or it sends us into, as Scotty would say on Star Trek, I just cannot do it, Captain. I don't have the power. Some of you aren't trying. I'm getting too old for trackies now. I just can't do the trackie references anymore. I don't know them. So what's your perspective going to be? Have you got a God who is so powerful? He is our best language. Right now. He is looking at the moment you were born. Right now. It's the best our language. Imagine that. He's looking at the moment of your upbringing. He's looking at moments of pain. And if he was living on the timeline, he would cry with you. Because he, he understands, he sympathizes with what it is to live in the restriction of a timeline. That's incredible. Right now, God is already one year down the road. Have you ever looked at God in a sad time and wondered why he's smiling? might be a little bit further down the road than you think. It's going, it's going to be okay. It is finished. Finished it a long time ago. 
and I wrote every day a blessing into your life. Every day of redemption into your life before the foundation of the world. That's our God. But it is possible to destroy our lives through a poor narrative. Here's what I would say. Don't people these days talk about your truth? It's my truth. It's our truth. Do you know what? In a sense, I kind of agree with them. Because whatever is your truth is what you will end up living. It doesn't mean it is the truth. It's just... But can I just set you free from something for a minute? You can choose your truth. I know plenty of guys who thought they were bad dads and thus became a bad dad. If only they changed the narrative. Ashley, you're a wonderful person. We all think stinking things about ourselves and each other that are completely unnecessary, planted by the enemy to destroy us because he's a thief. Or we could believe the word of the Lord. We could just get so careful of the narrative in our minds that we say, I'm just here. Because the word of the Lord is the thing that's going to bring me through. Amen. Amen. We choose what we dwell on. Just dwell on what is lovely and praiseworthy. Sure. Don't let things poison you. So just let me, let me finish, I suppose, with this thought. If you're unsure, what do you do? Well, Hebrews, again, we won't turn there because we're running out of time. I want to worship a bit, Rob, if that's all right. So think, think of a, a song because this is all about coming up to the balcony of heaven and going, what perspective am I living from? going to live from down here. What should you do if you're unsure? Well, here's a good one. Hebrews 13.8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. If you look in the Aramaic, it says this, Jesus is our fulfillment yesterday, today. How do you align with the narrative of heaven? Say, so instead of God, my panic, my anxiety, my fear, my offense is giving me a certain narrative. How do you click out of that? Because it's so powerful it can destroy your life. How do you click out of that into a narrative that's going to save your life and redeem it? Don't look to man. Look to Jesus. It's elsewhere in Hebrews. It's the chapter before, 12. Look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of a different perspective of faith. What do we look to? We look to him. Go, Jesus, if I could just see you instead of all the noise, the white noise and the distraction, if I could just see you, then you would come with a great big pen and begin to write faith in my heart. He's the author of faith. He's never going to come and write fear in you. It's funny, isn't it? You look at him, you don't panic no more. You look at him, you don't stress anymore. You look at him, your ego just begins to dip down and disappear. You look at him and suddenly it's, it's finished. It's all right. He loves me. I do not have to be a self-made man. I can be a God-loved man. It's so much sweeter. Oh, stop to play some notes, make us feel spiritual, Robert. You could. Thank you, mate. Jesus our fulfillment yesterday today and forever just stand with me let's close our eyes and pray another word yeah yeah yeah
think for a moment of the narratives in your mind that are troubling you right now. It could be over your health. You start to get an ache and a pain. Come on, hypochondriacs. You get an ache and a pain and straight away it's the worst possible outcome. And we build a narrative and then we begin to live in the tunnel of that narrative. It's what we do. You're allowed to change that narrative. I want you to deal with the narrative that's troubling you today. There might be a few. Home, future, church, ministry, hopes, dreams, kids. Identify the bad narratives. Maybe you've got something that you just can't solve and you just feel at wit's end. But it's time to surrender to God. The only way you're going to get from future tense to that divine past tense it is done is by surrendering to Him. So I want you to start by admitting that it's a narrative. That we all fall into stories that we tell ourselves and they become our truth. But they're not God's truth. God, would you wash through our minds right now and just put your blazing torch on the narratives of fear, on the stories of anxiety that we tell ourselves. Any story that doesn't include a loving Heavenly Father taking care of us needs to be identified right now. He has your retirement in His hands. He hems you in behind relationship difficulties. He is the restorer. He is the bringer of life and love and mercy and compassion. He has it all in hand. He restores people. He restores health. He forgives all your sins. Your sin isn't shocking to God. He knew you were going to commit it before the foundation of the world. And he lined up a way to lift that burden off you and call you clean once again. I made you clean, says God. Change the narrative right now. Stop limping because of failure. Hold your head up high. You're a king's kid. Have you identified the narrative right now? Pick it up in your hands and lift it up to God. Say, God, I give you this stinking thinking. I give you this wrong story I've told myself. And I want you to replace it with a story of God's love. Thank you, God, you have no hands to harm us. You care for us. In marriage, in singleness, in retirement, in birth and in death. God, you are God. And we lift our entire beings, our hopes, dreams, homes, families, church to you. And we say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He's all over this. He's not forgotten me. I might not understand the timing of God, but I know this. He's all over us. He's my heavenly Father. And He loves me. And let's just begin to lift the worship. Come on. Just worship Him. We'll wash the bad narrative away. Wash the bad report. Wash the bad story away. There are promised lands to go in. But only those with clean minds, faith-filled hearts can enter in. Only the meek can inherit the land. God, we give our hearts to you. We want to be a meek people. 
love.